TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Vikings fans, get it off your chest and get it on the air. Your comments, questions, your thoughts. Tweet us at Score North or call 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. Second down at 12 for protection. And there is feeling he is into the end zone. Touchdown right from the get-go for Adams. Second down and 10, and this is the third big carry of the game, and this one in the end zone for Dalvin Cook. My, oh my. I mean, I think when I look at this, the job of the offense is to move the ball efficiently. When I look at this offense, I think Mark Rippon, I think Trent Dilfer. You have to run the ball. You have to play good, solid defense. You can't throw it around every second and try and move the ball. Your job is to score points and move it efficiently. So I love the way that we look today. I love the way that we took care of the football. I want to hang up and listen. I want to say, Skull Vikings, let's go. Oh, yeah, I talked to him yesterday about it after the game. You know, it's uh, overreaction Monday. Everybody's going to tell you how great you are today, and we have to get back to work. So there's still a lot of things we need to clean up. Uh, penalties, I thought we got sloppy in the second half in coverage. You know, we got a little bit tired there, so we got sloppy in that. Had way too many dumb penalties. Really, they were dumb penalties. So, you know, there's a lot of things we can clean up. And welcome to day two of Vikings Vent Lines. Zolga, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill producing. We're in the TCL broadcast studios. And of course, as we talked about extensively yesterday, this show is about you as well. So we'd love to hear from you. 651-646-8255. Anytime throughout the course of the next hour. We'll be on until noon. Or of course, you can tweet us at Real D Cunningham, at Jay Zolgad, at Score North. And Danny, let's start by getting some house cleaning out of the way first because we, as the interactive show, I'm almost 50. 50, and yeah. I'm interactive You're now. getting up there. This is outstanding. It's impressive you know what Twitter is. Thank you is. very much. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll start with our Vikings event line poll of the day, which we will have every day that we're on. And uh, just so you know, the show is on 10 to noon on Mondays, 11 to noon Tuesday through Friday. The Viking event line poll for this Tuesday. What was the most surprising thing from Sunday's victory? Your choices. The offensive lines play, which we will get to, which is very interesting. Choice number two, we talked about this throughout all our programming uh, regarding the Vikings yesterday. Kirk Cousins only throwing 10 passes. And the third thing, 11 penalties so far, 200-plus votes in. And Kirk Cousins passes, 54% of you are saying that's the most surprising. 11 penalties, 27% of you are saying that's surprising, as you heard uh, uh, Zim talk about there. He's not happy about that. And the offensive lines play 20%. And Danny Cunningham, you also have your question of the day on Twitter. Yeah, question of the day at Real D Cunningham is, after week one, how many teams do you think are better than the Vikings right now? Obviously, the Vikings 1-0. Half the league, with the exception of Detroit and Arizona, has a win or a loss. So where do you think that they are in terms of, if you had to set forth power rankings after one game, where are the Vikings at? How many teams do you have ahead of them? How many teams are they ahead of? Which is why this quote from uh, Zim yesterday is so fantastic. Oh, yeah. I talked to him yesterday about it after the game. You know, it's uh, overreaction Monday. Everybody's going to tell you how great you are today, and we have to get back to work. So, Ladies and gentlemen, that is the life of a head coach. Absolutely. So if you ever think that teams go back to their uh, their uh, practice facilities after wins, especially like week one, or like, oh, this was great. Oh, we're so good. We're going to be so good. They don't. They go back and sweat. Oh, absolutely. And basically, they become afraid that their players are going to buy into their successes. Every single coach that won or lost the game on Sunday or yesterday, depending on when you played, 
It's the same when you get back into the building to prepare for week two. You're not throwing yourself a parade because you beat the Atlanta Falcons by two touchdowns. And if you were the Chicago Bears, you are not mailing it in because you lost the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night. That's not how it works. If you're the Dolphins, you are. But that's about the only team right now that probably is doing exactly that. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the players are trying to leave, too. Uh, Oh, yes. And as I said yesterday... They can't leave because they're part of the solution, which is to lose as many football games in Miami as possible. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's kick things off with this. That's good, Jonathan. Today, fellas, that's a way to step up. Wait, 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 wait. One more thing. Now that is going to be a, a regular Tuesday staple of Viking Vent Line. That we are going to, because the day after games, there's a thousand things, right? Yes, there's, there's a thousand. We are never going to run yeah. out of things to talk about on a Monday morning. Like, I promise you that. Like, we'll be talking about Kirk Cousins uh, on Mondays. We'll be talking about uh, star players. But we might miss a, a thing or two. So I would like to take this opportunity to start this off by talking about this guy. I thought uh, Everson played really, really well. Um, violent, aggressive, uh, ran to the ball well. So that was that was good to see, and uh, I felt pretty good about him. And um, he looked a lot like his when he was in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I am loath to say that I'm wrong. One game into a season, sure, but I, I was the guy that when the Vikings uh, cut Everson Griffin's pay by three million dollars in March, said I really wouldn't have brought him back. My, now, now my theory was, or my feeling at that time was, why wouldn't you? Basically, move Daniil Hunter to right end, let Weatherly play left end, Danny, mm-hmm. and then have Josh Klein and somebody else who you signed off the street compete for the starting right guard job. Or better yet, don't sign Josh Klein, take Griffin's cash, take the cash that you ultimately gave to Josh Klein, and sign a really good right guard. Yeah. Nonetheless, Everson Griffin. And I, I saw this today. If, if you have not uh, checked out Matthew Collar's thoughts on Sunday's game uh, at scorenorth.com, do so because he's got some great stuff there, including this on Everson Griffin Danny's play on Sunday. Over the final nine weeks of 2018, after Griffin came back from being away from the team, he averaged a very unimpressive two and a half quarterback pressures per game. That was down from 4.1 pressures per game in 2017 during the Vikings 13 and 3 year, which is an impressive number. Which where he was fan- and he was fantastic. On Sunday against the Falcons, one sack of Matt Ryan, four pressures, a 70.6 PFF grade, which was up from 61.4 last year. And combine that with Griffin at right end and at left end, Daniel Hunter gave you 10 pressures and one sack. My point being is that one weekend, at least, the Vikings look pretty smart for keeping Griffin. And if he can be this player again, which I doubted, but if he can be this guy again, that does change the dynamic by a lot, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if he necessarily looked like the Pro Bowl player that he once was, but if he can be something along those lines, he doesn't have to be a Pro Bowler. He doesn't have to be the best player in the defense. He doesn't have to be probably the the fourth best player on this defense. But if he can give you everything that he gave you Sunday against Atlanta on a regular basis, how much scarier does that make this defense? Because while last year I think they finished, what, as the number five total defense or, or whatever it was, they were a very good defense. But that was essentially without Everson Griffin doing very much. 
if he can give you this, they're going to be back up in that discussion of number one, number two, number three type defenses. Mm-hmm. And that's a big thing because it, it allows you to win games the way you won the game on Sunday more often than not. And I, I think the question to what you're saying then becomes this. If you get back up there, mm-hmm. so let's say you're top three in yards allowed, but more importantly, in scoring defense, because yeah. that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Yards are yards. Are yards. Uh, if you get back up there, too, what does that mean your offense has to do? Because your offense obviously does not need to be as dynamic if you are defensively, instead of being very good, dominant. Your offense has to be good enough. It doesn't need to be great. It doesn't necessarily even need to be very, very good. It needs to be good enough. Good enough on Sunday is what this past Sunday was. Might not be good enough this upcoming Sunday in Green Bay, but they have to be find a way to be good enough week in and week out. That's not going to be the 52-51 to 51 type game that Kirk Cousins spoke of because I don't forecast that in the future. But it might be you have to find a way to win 35-28 to, to 28. Right. One week. That could happen. Your offense has to be able to be good enough. They have to be efficient, have to protect the ball, can't turn the ball over all the time, can't have dumb penalties the way that they did on both sides of the ball on Sunday. They have to be good enough. Not great, but good enough. Now, now the flip side to this entire conversation, too, is it's one game. Yes. As as Zimmer said, overreaction Monday, right? That's what we should call our Monday show after losses. Overreaction now. Monday? After losses, it should be overreaction Monday. The only thing on Griffin that I actually sort of like here, if I can find it, is the fact that he has the opportunity. Okay, so he he can make an extra $500,000 on top of his salary for this season, Danny, if he posts at least eight sacks. Uh-huh. Now, but here's the thing I sort of like, and this is why I think that there's a chance that you're going to get an entire year from him that could be fairly impressive. Everson Griffin can void the final three years of his contract if he plays at least 56% of the Vikings' defensive snaps while totaling six or more sacks in 2019. Well, now he's down to needing to get five more, five sacks. He's going to get five more. The point being is the incentivization for him to have a great year, especially coming off the the disappointing things that happened last year, the, the amount of incentive given to him is extremely, extremely high, which in football, I actually like. Yeah, I actually think it's not a bad thing. No, I think it's a good thing. The the more money that's on the table for you and the more opportunity that you could potentially have is is better for you as a player. I think we're going to get And I like the fact not, but I like the fact he's going to say I will prove that you shouldn't have cut my salary by 3 mil. Here's a, a great year. And then you know what? If you go to the take your pick. If you go to the Dolphins in 2020, that's fine. Yeah. But if you get the best Season possible from a guy who's, what, 31, 32? He's not a kid anymore. Yeah. Uh, But if you get the best season possible from Griffin and he walks, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. I think that that's what everyone should be okay with. That is the gamble you take when you cut someone's salary the way they did. And if you're Griffin, you're going to want to get another payday. You're going to want to prove that you still are that that Pro Bowl-type player. And if he proves that, someone's going to pay him. It might not be the Vikings. It might not be able to be the Vikings, but someone's going to pay him. That's a good job, though, today, fellas. That's a way to step up. Wait, 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 wait. One more thing. So, Judd, one more thing that we didn't necessarily touch upon too much yesterday was the health of Stefan Diggs. Because of what the game dictated, he didn't need to play a lot, but he was listed as questionable with that hamstring injury. He was in and out of practice throughout the weeks. I believe he played 33 snaps, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 34 snaps. It wasn't anything crazy. 32. 32 snaps. 60%. Thank you. 60% of the offensive snaps. I think that was a really good thing for him. to. You didn't need to give him the week off. He still played, 
but you didn't put him in a situation where it was really physically taxing the way some other weeks might be. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And he now I'm curious because we don't know when he hurt that hamstring. No, we don't know. It's obviously not severe enough to stop him from playing, but hamstrings also are dicey. And so they definitely concern you. Yeah. And the other thing is, as happy as I think the Vikings were with how the game plan worked out on Sunday against the Falcons, in part because the Falcons didn't play that well, Danny, uh, part of this now comes week two in Green Bay. Diggs is going to be, you, you would think he and Thielen will be relied upon at least a little, if not a lot more. I think they're going to have and to so, throw the ball more than 10 times. This I week. do, too. And so the the one thing that actually... Um, I shouldn't say concerns me. That's not the right word. The one thing that intrigues me about this game against the Packers is where where is Diggs' hamstring at after playing in that game, and can he, if necessary, contribute a lot? The positive I saw was I actually think Cousins' best throw of the day on Sunday was what was it a thirty-one yard pass to Diggs? Yeah, it was a go- it was a gorgeous pass. I mean, put that, it, that's the type, exactly where it needed to be, and yeah. that's the type of pass Kirk can make. Uh, but that's the type, and that's the type of play that both those guys can make. But I am going to be very interested to see now if Diggs, one, uh, comes off the injury report when the Vikings start to practice for the Packers on Wednesday, and two, if that's the case, can he contribute fully? Is this going to be more uh, more of a Thielen game and not a Diggs game? In fact, I looked up the stats from the uh, snap count in that game. Thielen, 47% of 53 snaps, or I'm sorry, 47 of 53 snaps, 89%. And as I said, Diggs, 32 of 53, 60%. So can that can that be balanced more on Sunday? In a normal week, what would you like to see it be? What would you like to see their snap percentages like be? To, Obviously, the number of snaps is going to fluctuate week to week, obviously. but the percentages can stay pretty similar. I'd like to bring it more, so instead of being 89% for Thielen and 60% for Diggs, I'd like to see it ideally, especially with this offense, probably be more in the... What would be fair? 70% range for both of them? I think 75 for both of them. For both of them. But I'd like to see fair, it be yeah. balanced more, which I think the Vikings would as well, yeah. in an ideal world. Do you think Thielen's number was so high because of Diggs' hamstring? Yes. Well, here and here's why, here's why too. The, and this, to me, is the telling snap count. And this is not going to go away. If you go more than into what Dillon's, Diggs and Thielen, I always combine their names, Dillon. I always combine them. <laughs> If you delve down into Diggs and Thielen's snap count below you that, go. your <laughs> your I, I did this on the show yesterday too. I called him Thielen. Um, Figs might work too. Figs, yeah. Well, I always I always start with Diggs, and so I, I give it I give them both basically the same name. Uh, Chad Beebe, third wide receiver on Sunday, and we knew he wouldn't be used much. Fourteen of fifty three snaps, twenty six percent. Uh, Olabisi Johnson, who's going to be the fourth guy, 7 of 53. So this is what we expected. The only thing that I think you would like to do, if you could possibly do it, is get Stefan and Adam more on the same percentage. Yeah. But Chad Beebe, and then, and then, so so you're saying, where'd those snaps go, right? Kyle Rudolph didn't leave the field. He played every snap. They had 53, 53 of 53. Irv Smith, who really didn't do much, he blocked a bit. But where are my stats as far as what? Hold on a second here. I got the game book right here. I was going to see, did Irv Smith even catch a pass in his NFL debut? He did not. He did not catch a pass. He was not targeted, okay? He played 26 of 53, 49%. Brandon Dillon, 
the rookie tight end, played 7-53. to So Olabisi Johnson, the fourth receiver, and the third tight end had the exact same amount of snaps. But again, Kyle Rudolph was on the field for all 53 snaps, and he caught, or I'm sorry, he was targeted once and did not catch a pass. That's pretty interesting. That's that's the way that they they played though. That's those none of those numbers that you just read off are the least bit surprising to me. I did not realize Kyle was out there for every single snap. That's the only I mean, thing. Maybe that, that's a little that's bit the surprising only thing that took to me. me a little bit by but surprise. I think seeing his, I expected his snap count to be above ninety percent. I expected at least ninety percent of the snaps to be after watching that game. Yeah, and not necessarily paying fair. attention I just didn't think to it was, the personnel on every single. I didn't play. think it was every single one, but yeah, I, I expected right. it to be at least ninety percent, if not higher, which obviously was a an even a hundred percent. I didn't necessarily expect that, but I'm curious how that'll change week two. I'm curious how Diggs's hamstring is going to linger because these soft tissue injuries I know and don't necessarily before, go away quickly or easily. And like you said, he's a repeat offender here. He's had these this type of injury a lot. Is grass or turf worse if you got a barking hamstring? Uh, turf is probably a little bit worse, but it, it's all about how you take care of it. It's not necessarily something that running running on turf comes easier if you're healthy, but running on grass can be a little bit softer for you. Okay. Again, our Twitter poll, um, Viking Ventline Twitter Question of the day. The poll is, what was the most surprising thing from Sunday's victory? Offensive lines play. Kirk Cousins only throwing 10 passes or 11 penalties. Almost 300 votes in an hour to go on the uh, on the poll. Cousins, uh, 10 passes. 52% of you are saying that's the most surprising. 11 penalties, 27% of you. And the offensive line play, which we need to get to next segment, because it's certainly an interesting topic, 21%. Give me some of the responses that you are getting on your uh, question that you threw out on Twitter. And we, real quick, do have a an other Vote in on the the Ventline poll at Score North. Bruce writes in how bad Atlanta was was the most surprising thing. I think that's worth noting too. Is I expected a lot better from Atlanta. I really did. Oh, I thought they would. We be, I thought they were going to look like a much better, a much more competent team. Um, some responses to after Week One. How many teams do you think are better than the Vikings right now? You can find us on Twitter at Real D Cunningham at Score North at Jay Zolgad. Uh, Bobby writes in the Rams, Packers, Saints, and Patriots. That's all I've got for now. Somebody else added in that same list as well as the Chiefs. Uh, Cord 21 writes in, invalid entry. Please try again later. Usually need to wait at least two or three weeks before we can see who is for real and who isn't. But if I'm forced to say after week one, New England, the Saints, the Rams, Dallas, and the Chiefs. So Okay, so he said the Patriots? Patriots, Saints, Saints Dallas, Rams, Chiefs. That's probably fair. That's probably yeah. And be, and I I agree with the person that said you have to wait. I think it takes about a month. Yeah. And the thing that I can't so the th- so what I can't get straight in my mind yet is to the first um response that you read from the person that said the Falcons played so poorly. I can't get it right in my head yet how well the Vikings played versus how poorly the Falcons played. Yeah. I, I think the Vikings listen. I think they played really really well. And I love the fact that they came out from the start of that game and Barr got the sack and then they blocked the punt and then they get the pick. So the Vikings deserve a ton of credit for that, but it all goes back to what uh, what uh, Zimmer said yesterday in his press conference. Oh, yeah, I talked to him yesterday about it after the game. You know, it's uh, overreaction Monday. Everybody's going to tell you how great you are today and 
we have to get back to work. So there's still a lot of things we need to clean up. Um, penalties, I thought we got sloppy in the second half in coverage. You know, we got a little bit tired there, so we got sloppy in that. Had way too many dumb penalties. Really, they were dumb penalties. So, you know, there's a lot of things we can clean up. The penalties that I think probably drove him the most absolutely crazy were the three offsides that gave the Falcons first downs because that will bite you eventually. You cannot. Now, in that game, all right, it worked out fine because you took, what, a 28 nothing lead by the fourth quarter. Falcons come back and score 12 absolutely meaningless points. But when you're giving a team first downs, especially if you're this head coach, it's going to drive you crazy. Those are infuriating even just to watch as it as a as a spectator, those are infuriating because you're you want to see a team either get off the field on third down or you want to see the offense grab a first down. You hate to see it be awarded because you couldn't watch the ball. You couldn't you wanted to guess the snap and you couldn't figure it out. It's easy. That's not a difficult thing to do, especially when you're at home. When you're at That's home That's what I was gonna say. At home in your state. Even actually not even at home. Anywhere. Because you're on the road, it's quiet. The opposing fans well, aren't making noise for sh- offenses. It, it should, should be, be quiet. Unless you're doing the wave. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing we can get to. But it, sh- it should never be difficult to watch the ball and mm-hmm. wait for the ball to move before you do as a defender. It should not be hard. And the Vikings obviously had trouble with it. 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255 is how you can reach us if you want to chime in with with the one more thing from you. Uh, you can reach us at Real D Cunningham, at Jay Zolgad, J Z U L G A D, and at Score North. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. The show is Viking Vent Line. Again, 651 646 8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. Stay on course. This is only beginning because we got more. Call 651 646 8255 or tweet at Score North. Dalvin Cook. Into the end zone, another touchdown for Cook. His second rushing touchdown in the game, and that'll put him over 100 yards rushing in the game. They did um, a really good job in the running game. We had a couple tough matchups in the passing game with some of their guys, some of the things that they were doing that we have to clean up technically and, you know, our footwork. But, you know, they fought and they they scratched and, you know, we got some guys cut on the backside. I thought Kyle blocked pretty well yesterday, uh, which was good to see. You know, Garrett had a couple times where they he was going one way and they backdoored him a few times. But, uh, you know, those are all cleanup things that will get fixed. It's the all-new Viking Vent Line, Zolgad, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill producing. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, as you heard when we came back from break, you can reach us, 651-646-8255. Anytime during the show, we're on Mondays, 10 to noon. We'll be on uh, the rest of the week, Tuesday through Friday. From 11 to noon, you can, of course, find us on demand anywhere you find podcasts. That includes Apple, Spotify, the Score North app, which you can download for absolutely free. And um, certainly chime in right now on our uh, Score North Viking Vent Line poll that we've got going that you can find on Twitter. And also, Danny Cunningham, why don't you run past people again the question you've got out there as well. question I put on my Twitter, at Real D Cunningham, is after week one of the NFL, how many teams do you think are currently better than the Minnesota Vikings? So, for instance, if you are putting down a power ranking of NFL teams, what number do you have the Vikings at? 651-646-8255. And also to that question, I would say this. How much confidence did week one give you as well? Yeah. Like, are you thinking to yourself, the Falcons didn't really look like they were that interested in playing the game. Does that scare you a bit? Are you thinking, oh my gosh, 
Kubiak's offense, yes, it'll uh, it'll take Kirk more than 10 passes per game, but Kubiak's offense is going to work. The defensive performance was extremely impressive. So did that, did one game, and I know the answer for me, but did one game influence or change sort of your outlook on the Vikings right now? It made me a little more optimistic than I was prior to the season, but I also think it needs to be balanced with, okay, well... The Falcons, like you said, didn't look interested in being there on Sunday. And that has to be factored into where you're you're putting the Vikings in a power ranking. Because if they would have come out and if they would have beaten a team like the Saints, that how they looked yesterday, okay, yeah, they're probably number three, number four. But because they beat a team that looks like they didn't want to be playing football, it's hard for me to put them above like eight. What intrigues you most right, right now as we talk on Tuesday, and obviously the Vikings are off today, they'll start practice for the Packers on Wednesday. What intrigues you now? What question comes to mind for you about Sunday's game? About Sunday's game, it's going to be, can this offense and can really can this defense, because the Packers, in my opinion, are a much better team than the Falcons on both sides of the ball. They've got the better quarterback. Their defense certainly looks better than Atlanta's defense. Can they win that same way with that same offensive formula, which I don't think the answer to that is yes. And two, will their defense be as stout against that Green Bay offense, who admittedly struggled in week one, but at the end of the day, they still have Aaron Rodgers, and I expect them to be much better Week two, having a little bit of uh, a little bit of practice under their belts versus the season opening game. My biggest question actually is not a Vikings question; it, it's a Packer question. Okay, that defense. I'm really curious because I don't know yet. I think it's better. I think it's certainly improved. Sure, but as we discussed on Viking Vent Line on Monday, I don't see it as being in that upper echelon yet with the Bears or Vikings. So what I'm really curious to see is after watching the Thursday night game against the Bears, does a very smart offensive mind in Gary Kubiak uh, see things that he can exploit in Green Bay's new defense? Because basically until that Bears game, with the changes that they had made uh, personnel-wise to upgrade, they hadn't put a thing during the uh, exhibition season on film, right? So my question is, Kubiak against Mike Pettin, and are there enough tells from that Chicago game and I think we all agree, no matter how many faults we might find with Cousins or not, he's a superior quarterback to Trubisky. Yes. So does does Kubiak have the ability now to look and say, I see three things that the Bears couldn't do that we can do? I think that there could be things that the, the Vikings can do that the Bears couldn't do just because they have a quarterback that's not terrible. Because that's what Mitch Trubisky was. He was in that game. That's he, very, he was that's terrible. Very fair. He yes. was terrible. I don't know. On he's ter- I don't know. He's terrible. But I think he was he's. Terrible I think game. he's average at best. But he was terrible yep. on Thursday. That's that's how I'll put it. He's an average quarterback that had a really bad night against that Packers defense. Furthermore, I'd like to flip that. I would like to to ask how many of those things can that the the Bears couldn't do. Not only can we do, but can we can we really exploit that? Can we we think that this is a huge hole because the Packers defense looked at the very least semi legit, but they looked semi legit against a a bad version of the Bears' offense. I think if you have, if Diggs, let's say Diggs, after uh, not playing quite a few snaps on Sunday, let's say you get him up to, uh, what's fair, 85%? I think that's a little much. 80%? Snap percentage? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, health? no, health-wise. 80, 85 is fair then. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought you were talking nope. like number or percentage I'm saying of snaps percent, on the field. I'm saying that he can play, play more, not play necessarily even a ton, but if I can get... Thielen and Diggs out there consistently and, and even out the snap percentage count a little bit more for those two, 
and with Cook out, out of the backfield. Because, you know, to be clear, I loved the game plan on Sunday. I completely get that the Vikings went up by 28 points, and so Cousins didn't have to throw. But that's not to say that Cousins can't be a key part here. No, And so all. he can absolutely be, right? So that being said, if you can get Diggs and Thielen consistently on the field together more, you've got Cook in the backfield, and Cousins then operating with those three at least, and, and let's say good tight end play or pretty good tight end play, Danny, that creates opportunities that Trubisky didn't give the Bears. And for we, sure. We all want to look at week one and say, okay, you know, this was the blueprint for the Vikings to win the game. And that sounds fun. It sounds cute, but it really wasn't. Because what type of blueprint is only going to have 10 passes? Now, in Mike Zimmer's wildest dream, it probably has zero passes. But in the blueprint, it's probably going to be between... Kirk Cousins is probably going to be throwing between 17 and 23 passes a game. That is the blueprint for victories. It's not 10. No, like, We, we can talk about that. Oh, it was great. That's what Zimmer wanted. It was the blueprint. It wasn't the blueprint. Defensively, yes. Running the ball, yes. But it's going to take more passing most times than it did this last Sunday. I agree with that, but the offensive formula was right, which is if you can keep Kirk, sure. the, the stats that you just gave for, let's say, let's say Kirk's average for the rest of this year in games can be between 17 and 25 pass attempts per game. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Yeah. So I, and what I, I liked on Sunday, I don't think they want only 10. But what I liked on Sunday was I liked the use of Dalvin Cook. I loved it. Yes. It's, it's hard to not. And the other thing, and we'll, we'll get to this. In one second, because it ties in absolutely perfectly. But the other thing, too, is this is not even a slight against Kirk Cousins. This, this is doing what you know you can do well, yeah. which the 2018 Vikings with Filippo coordinating the offense for all but three games did not do. In fact, let's play this quote from Zim again and then delve into one of the reasons why you don't want Kirk Cousins to have to pass a lot. And this has nothing to do with Kirk Cousins. They did um, a really good job in the running game. We had a couple tough matchups in the passing game with some of their guys, some of the things that they were doing that we have to clean up technically and, you know, our footwork. But, you know, they fought and they they scratched and, you know, we got some guys cut on the backside. I thought Kyle blocked pretty well yesterday, uh, which was good to see. You know, Garrett had a couple times where they he was going one way and they backdoored him a few times. But, uh, you know, those are all cleanup things that will get fixed. Zimmer was being kind here. Yes, very I, kind. I am going to read you a paragraph from Matthew Collar's piece that you can find right now. Uh, go check this out because it's good. After review, what can we take away from the Vikings' week one win? Danny Cunningham, okay? And so this is, let's see here. This is the third subsection of Matthew Collar's piece in. It's called, The Pass Protection Will Be Worth Watching. I'm going to read you the first paragraph, which is then followed by the quote that we just heard from Mike. The Vikings only drop back to pass 11 total times, so it's difficult to draw conclusions about how they will play the remainder of the season. But if the O-line gives up pressure like they did against the Falcons, it's going to be a long year for Kirk Cousins. Per pro football focus, Cousins was pressured on five of his 11 dropbacks. The Vikings ranked as the worst pass-blocking team in the National Football League by PFF. Aside small sample size, I get that. Rookie center Garrett Bradbury was graded a 0.0 out of 100, Danny Cunningham. That's bad, Judd. And left guard Pat Elfline scored a 43.6 and gave up the one sack and one QB hit. So let me ask you this off of that. Do you think that the pressure the Falcons were able to get where the Vikings, like you just said, only dropped back 11 times and they were pressured on five of them, do you think that because the Falcons were able to get that type of pressure, it in turn 
dictated the play calling from Kubiak and the offensive staff? No, I think the lead did completely. Okay, but that but that being said, um, this is why this is why ten passes per game is not a realistic blueprint. Mm-hmm. But featuring your run game might have to be. Because they can zone block. I think that this is not during the run game is, and this is not right. I do too. But this is not a this is not an incompetent group of human beings playing the line when it comes to executing the zone blocking scheme and overall potential run blocking scheme yeah. outside of the zone blocking. But if you this is this is why when Kirk says if we have to win a game fifty two fifty one no Kirk because if that happens you might actually be carted off on a stretcher. If that happens, Kirk Cousins isn't playing quarterback the whole game. If he has to drop back 50 times... That's the point. Which I think... would t- How many passing attempts would it take for them to score 52 points in a game? Because I think it's, it's above 45. And if Kirk Cousins is dropping back-to-back 45 times, this Vikings offensive line is going to have a lot of problems. And in turn, Kirk Cousins is not going to be feeling very good late Sunday afternoon and Monday morning. It's a formula for disaster all over. Fifty-two fifty-one is a formula for complete disaster. I guarantee you, fifty-two fifty-one is not in this team's playbook. No, it's not in the defensive side of the playbook, and it's not in the offensive side. And that's that goes back. So the point being is, this goes way deeper than Kirk would like to throw more or not throw more. This goes way deeper than your quarterback. This goes into, and this is where in two thousand sixteen and eighteen, the Vikings screwed up royally and in 17 and hopefully now what we saw in the first game in 19 they're going to do the right thing which is you have to put together a scheme to paint over the deficiencies of the line and if you say to yourself well we're going to play the rams and you know what we're going to do we're going to do just what we did last year and we're going to go have kirk throw because kirk makes all this money that's the way to get kirk killed Mm -hmm. not to have success but then in turn how important does it become for this team to not fall behind early in games, if it, they, it's I vital. Mean, it's imperative. It's, if if this form, if this is going to be the formula, if they fall down fourteen to nothing, they're in big, big, big trouble. And we saw it last year, Buffalo. Yep, yep. That buff that Buffalo game. Now Cousins was awful. The fumble it, that was terrible. But you guys, that Buffalo game was the recipe of what this team can't do. And and that Buffalo team is bad. Yes. That but there's no there's no reason why an ordinary football team at home, would have said, we're off to a rough start. We're playing Buffalo! Bring them on! They couldn't do it. So, Manny, to answer your question, it is absolutely imperative Mm -hmm. that you don't... Now, if you get down by a touchdown, okay, that's fine. I think you can handle 14 points. But anyway, the point... You know, they came back... What they had to do in Week 2 in Green Bay last year can't really happen. right? Because it's not going to happen. Because you're not going to play... You're going to get... Defensively, a lot of teams that will shut you down will put pressure on. But that that's where this conversation gets so intriguing because this is not a Kirk Cousins discussion. This is you gotta sit Kirk down and tell him, Kirk, this is in your best interest. If you if you feel like, man, I can go air the ball out thirty five times a game, you're all in a lot of trouble. It hasn't worked. That's why you go eight, seven, and one, Danny. And that's why the the health of Dalvin Cook, I think, is so important. Because if Dalvin Cook can't stay healthy, then you find yourself having to try and find another way to win. And you're going to try that way, and it's not going to work. And you're going to end up eight and eight, seven and nine, instead of the eleven and five ceiling where a lot of people have this team. But this also comes back to your and and 
your point from uh, earlier in today's show is spot on. This comes back to this. This probably has to be not, it'd be nice, it has to be a top three defense. Yes. If you want to get to is, where you want to go. If this is not a, if you ever, and, and this may, this sounds funny because considering the amount that you pay the quarterback, what I'm about to say makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But if you have to turn the ball to the offense and say, we got this really expensive quarterback and so go get him, you're probably dead. Yeah. You're not going to win many games. And, now, if, you, and if you're a top 10, 10 defense, I think you're also sort of sunk. I think you got to be top three. I think so, too. Top now, five, very least. There there might be a game or two where you are tied in the fourth quarter and you have to give the ball to Kirk and say, go win us this this game. And that's sure. fine. That's going to happen. And you are paying him to do that. But you can't, you're not paying him to go win shootouts because that's not going to happen. It's just you're not going to be successful if that becomes your formula. How many times can, can the formula be we're down by a touchdown or, or we're down by a field goal, take us down the field and win this game? Two. He's got two in them this year. Manny? Yeah, probably two. What do you think? I was I was was gonna say as I asked you the question about three times. But I, I but that, I don't that's even aggressive for me. But I'm but I am I am saying down by let's say two or three and uh Bailey can go kick the field goal to give you the tie. But me it's too, not me too. But if you so if you have a defense that in scoring defense is let's say ninth or tenth, I think you're in a world of trouble. I agree with you. Well, if you're giving up too many points, you're not going to be successful. Well, and how many times did they have that opportunity last year? Green Bay, okay, they went down, scored the tying yeah, touchdown to the Thielen, but he did it there. Yeah, but the Rams game a couple of weeks later, yep. they had they were down a touchdown, had the ball in their hands, the last drive of the game, and Cousins got hit and fumbled. Well, and, and that was it. And keep in mind too. And if you had won one more game, you make the playoffs. Yep. The Patriots game was incredibly close. Mm-hmm. The Patriots game felt awful, but it was winnable. Yep. The Seattle game was in, eminently winnable. Six nothing in the fourth quarter. That game also felt awful. It did, but it shouldn't have. Yep. And the point, and the point is this, and that's that's where Kubiak becomes so important. Gary Kubiak needs to be the one who can pull the puppet strings on the offense and Cousins in particular to make that work. I, I think if you had had an offensive mind that was not basically trying to say Cousins is paid a lot, so he should be outstanding. And I'm not really sure what John was doing as a whole at the time, but I think if you had an offensive mind who had been rational about this, I think you win either the Patriots or Seahawks game. And I think you probably win the Seahawks game. Do you think you win that second Bears game too? If you're not, I know he was gone by then, but if you're not kind of spiraling out of control because of those things that happened earlier. Yeah, I think you probably do. And then how much difference is that team looking? How much different are our expectations for this season if those things go well? Well, you made the playoffs. I would I would guess that if you'd made the playoffs, you probably would have got bounced pretty quick, probably first round. But sure. yeah, but you wouldn't have considered if Cousins had made the playoffs and got ousted, it wouldn't have felt great. But when you go eight, seven, and one and miss the playoffs and do so in that Chicago game mm-hmm. by essentially rolling over against the team that was trying to do the same thing since <laughs> Chicago had nothing to play for. Yeah. But this do, this does come back to a defensive conversation and the fact that like it or not, in 2019, this might not be the right idea. I don't know. But if your defense does not essentially put your offense in, in a position where comebacks can be few and far between and can be not easy, but not 
oh, we got to come back from 21, you're probably in huge trouble. I would think so, too. 651-646-8255. 651-646-8255. Do you disagree or, or agree with that statement? Also, if you want to tell us something that uh, caught you by surprise from the Vikings-Falcons game or look ahead to the uh, Packers-Vikings game, 651-646-8255 from the TCL Broadcast Studios. It is the new weekday Vikings vent line. We're on till noon. Opinions. Controversies, debates, and different voices with a passion for the same thing. Those Vikings. Vikings Vent Line. Your tweets, your calls, every weekday, 11 to noon. Vikings Vent Line on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Score North download time. It's 11.47 on Manny Hill. One more segment of Vikings Vent Line coming up here, and then the Score North first place twin show coming up at noon. Alexander Madison, the rookie from Boise State. Dalvin Cook's uh, backup running back. He had a pretty good game against the Falcons on Sunday as well. Nine carries, 49 yards. And here's what uh, Mike Zimmer had to say about the rookie. I thought uh, Alexander ran the ball very effectively yesterday. He ran hard. Uh, You know, there was... And and the offensive line blocked some of the plays that he had in there pretty good. But... um, but he's got a chance to be a good back, a good complimentary back to Dalvin. So that was good to see. Yeah, there were some question marks about uh, how the Vikings would uh, find figure, fill that number two running back role when Latavius Murray departed in free agency. And Judd Zolgad, as we return to Vikings vent line, they may have found their guy. I like him. Not sure that I, I would use, what, a third-round pick on a running back. But um, although, although, in fairness... If I'm not mistaken, Latavius Murray did score a touchdown for those Saints last night. Yes, he did. Yeah, Impressive he did. run. So, he's a good guy. Uh, 651-646-8255. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. If you're just tuning in now and you're not used to us being here, the show is Viking Ventline. We're on uh, weekdays, Mondays from 10 to noon. We're on a Tuesday through Friday, so we'll be back tomorrow at 11 o'clock. You can uh, reach us on the phone line I just gave you, 651-646-8255, or via the uh, Twitter machine, Danny Cunningham is at Real D Cunningham. I'm at Jay Zolgad. And if you're saying, <laughs> who can spell that last name? It's J Z U L G A D. And you can also reach us at Score North. Right now, we have a Viking Ventline Score North poll of the day up. We have um, some reactions to a question Danny threw out that we'll get back to. But before we do anything, let's take a phone call and go to Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you today? Uh, Doing well, Steve. What's outstanding. up? Outstanding. All right, two quick questions. One is that. Judd is always uh, commenting on uh, regarding the offense that Gary Kubiak is doing the play calling. Is Kevin Stefanski there just in title only and not doing anything? I think how how it works, um, Steve, I believe is that Stefanski certainly does have a role in the play calling, but this is Kubiak's offense, and he's sort of upstairs overseeing things. And, and weighing in continually. So the most important thing is this is Kubiak's system. Kevin is involved, and I think that Kevin is calling some of the plays. But Gary, Gary is, as I said before, I think the easiest explanation is Gary Kubiak is head coach offense of the Vikings. Okay. Uh, second question. Uh, I know that uh, your show has had a lot of, they like to use some stats to say the Vikings being one of the top defenses in the league. Sure. And I don't doubt that they're good, but the eye test when you look at the Philadelphia playoff game from a couple of years ago and then how bad they played in the big game where we needed them to step up um, against Chicago last year when they were somewhat decimated by injuries and we played so poorly, 
it just seems like Zimmer gets out coached in the big games like that. Thanks, Steve. Good call. Thanks, Steve. I think that you can look at two instances, and you brought up two of the worst instances, where this has been a defense that over the last three years has been really good. Yes, you can look at the Philadelphia playoff game and the NFC title game in 2017 and be like, oh yeah, they got smoked. The, the defense didn't show up that day. You're right. You can look at the Chicago game last year where the defense didn't do enough to get them in the playoffs. You'd be right. But you can also look at just about every other game over the last three years and say, that's a pretty damn good defense. Well, and it also comes down to this. This is the formula by which they will live or die. Yeah, that's so who if, they are. It, so if it, they die, they die. Go. Yeah, it, it's who they are. They're going to be, at the end of the day, the Minnesota Vikings are going to be exactly who we think they are. Exactly. Yes. And, and, there, and, and Steve's right. There have been epic blowups. Colts game in what 2016 <laughs> epic blow they they no showed a home game mm-hmm. that's hard to do when you no show a home game the Philadelphia game was an epic disaster the Green Bay game at Lambeau a few years back where they decided to basically ignore Mike on his uh, desires to have Jordy Nels epic disaster so Steve's not wrong there but to Danny's point this is the formula and the formula either works or does not work but the formula is not going to be shifted to hey look at this offense. We're the Chiefs. It's going to be, it starts with our defense, and if it doesn't end there, you're going home. Exactly. And it's. I think it's unrealistic to expect, like this defense needs to be, like you guys said, top three for this team to have a chance to go on any sort of a run. But I think it's really unrealistic to ask any defense, even the great defenses of all time, to hold somebody to six points every single week. Oh, sure. I mean, that's just sure. not, in today's NFL, that's just not going to happen. It's an and impossible task. It's impos- It's an impossible ask. It's impo- it, it just doesn't happen. The great defenses of all time, and I'm not putting the Vikings in this category yet, but the Buccaneers in 02, the Ravens in 2000, those teams gave up, those teams had games where they gave up 300-some yards and 20-plus points. It's just going to happen. But the Vikings... For better or worse, and, and and if it does not work, people are going to lose their jobs yep. probably fairly quickly. For better or worse, they are trying to buck the trend of the NFL in 2019. So they are basically saying, and you know what? So are the Bears. Mm-hmm. I told Rami on the show yesterday, I said, you're not going to like this. But Chicago, but the Vikings are basically saying, we can outbear the Bears. Which... They might be able to because the Bears quarterback might stink. Yes. I don't know about might. Well, but the Chicago Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings, and and it's weird because the Bears head coach is an offensive first guy, but the way that they're constructed right now, both of those teams are saying, we're going to look at, at a league that essentially is bending over backwards to encourage offense and stop that offense with better defenses and then have the, the offense be a not, not important, but a supporting player. And that's that's the philosophy of the two probably best teams in this division, which makes the Packers so intriguing because then they're going to say, ah, our defense is better, but guess who's really good? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. So this division to me is super intriguing because of all those things. It's very intriguing because of those things. And it's, it is it is fascinating that both these two teams, speaking about the Vikings and the Bears, have the same philosophy. They have the same blueprint. But it might be the Vikings that are better suited to execute that blueprint because of the quarterback situation. Right now, While I, the Bears' defense is better, yes, at least in my opinion, but it's right not now probably the Bears' not, defense but, is better. But it's but probably not a lot better, right? I think the gap between Kirk Cousins and Mitch Trubisky 
is a little bit bigger than the gap between the Bears defense and the Packers, or the Bears defense and the Vikings defense. That's well put. Yes. I think that that's where, in, and the quarterback at the end of the day, no matter how good both these defenses are, the quarterback's the most important position on the field at the end of the day. All right, let's go back to the phone lines as we wrap up today's show, and let's go to Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Thanks for calling in on a Viking Vent Line. Hey, guys. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to hear you on the radio at this time of day. Uh, it's Thank you. Great. Want to pose you a very strange uh, ranking question. One through ten, eventually the Vikings are going to be third and long in Green Bay. How confident are you that they can pick up that first down? Uh, what, is, what is third and long? How many yards are we talking? Well, are we talking go... third and seven or are we talking third and 17? Because that changes my answer drastically, yeah, not, Tyler. That's a great point. Not third and 17, third and let's say eight or nine but they have to pick up this first down if they want to win this football game. How confident are you that they can do that? Danny? That's a good question, Tyler. I would say Thanks, my, my confidence level is probably around a 5.5 if we're going 1 through 10. Which I'm sorry, it's 3rd and what? 3rd and 9, Tyler said. 5.5 is my confidence level. Oh, Not necessarily because of, of Kirk Cousins, but because at the end of the day, you do have Stephon Diggs, you do have... Adam Thielen, you do have Delvin Cook, you do have Kyle Rudolph, you've got weapons. Garrett Bradbury scored a zero on pass protection. Yeah, I know. Hi, Troy. How about the GM uh, being a Minnesota guy? You know, he graduated from Armstrong and played at Normandale Community College. I mean, that's the big uh, Minnesota connection there. Oh, from from the Packers, you mean? Yeah. Thanks, Troy. Brian Gutekunst, the son of former Gopher coach, John, who uh, succeeded... Lou Holtz, and unfortunately did not succeed as the Gopher coach. Um, third, okay, so I'm going to go back to the question here a quick before we wrap up. Third and seven, interior of the Packers' defensive line is pretty good. There's going to be pressure coming from there. You know what? Third and seven, though? Dalvin Cook, little swing pass? Maybe a screen? little screen? You can do that. What I don't want is Kirk to have to drop back and sit back there. No. Because, again, he's a sitting duck. So this is not a Kirk Cousins criticism. He is a sitting duck. Yeah, this and that defensive Kirk's line is better. I'm confident Kirk can make that throw. I'm Come confident on. Kirk can have the time to make that throw. That's where my my confidence level wanes is not because Kirk can't do it. Kirk can do it. It's I don't know that Kirk will be given the chance to do it. All right, we are done. Vikings vent line done for this Tuesday. Back tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Zolgate, Cunningham, Manny Hill coming up next. Uh, the twin show. I believe Wetmore is going to step in studio and join me. And I'm going to put immen- immense pressure on a young man to finally step up and do his job because I'm tired of him failing.